Welcome to History Books and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino and let's dive into the past. Welcome to History Books and Wine. We're your hosts, Eliza Knight and Lori Ann Bailey. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you the fascinating history behind Queen Elizabeth II's service during World War II. So let's pour a glass of vino and dive into the past. I have to say, I'm really excited to hear about this because I don't know that much about her service. I do know she was very active, so I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, it was really cool to learn about. So I'm excited to share it with you guys. Yay! So what are you drinking today? Oh, well, I am having my usual cab salve because, you know, that's my favorite. Yeah. And this is <laughs> this is one I've really, really come to love and I buy it a lot. And I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it before in here, but it's called Intrinsic. Mm-hmm. And the um, label is also really beautiful. It's a woman with like this red ribboned sort of dress and she's dancing. And um, it's cool because it says on the back, street art bears an uncanny resemblance to winemaking. For both the environment effects, the final art resulting in a collaboration between artist and landscape. And I just thought that was cool because, you know, as writers, we're artists. And this label is obviously like a, a really cool piece of art. And I like looking at it when I drink it. Yes, so. it's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. So today I am having a Francis Coppola wine. It's from their Diamond Collection and it's a Merlot. So instead of going Cab Sav today, which I typically do too, I went for something a little bit different. I like that. Oh, Francis Coppola is a great brand. I I like a lot of their wines. Mm -hmm. They had one years ago. Uh, that was like a, a seasonal special, like a special edition or something. And it was at Christmas time mm-hmm. and it had like some gold wiring around the bottle. It was really cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Sounds lovely. So, are you ready to get into the meat of this episode? I'm ready. I can't wait. Awesome. Let's do this. So when World War II broke out in Europe and England declared war against Germany on September 3rd, 1939, Queen Elizabeth at the time was only a 13-year-old princess and her father was king. So young. I know. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to think of her being such a little thing and having, you know, we grew up with her as a grandma. I know. Yeah. You always picture her with the gray hair and, you know, the The blue dress. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But, But there are many images out there of her when she was younger, too. So That's true. And some really, really cute ones. I actually have this book that I bought um, that came out in the 30s. And it's um, it's about the princesses and their dogs. And I bought it for when I was writing that book. Mm-hmm. And it's pictures of them with their different family dogs. It's so cute. When you were writing um, that book, can you mention oh, the yeah. name of your book since we're, yes. <laughs> we're talking about that? Let our sure. listeners know. So, the book is called The Queen's Faithful Companion. It comes out in uh, June of 2024. Woo-hoo. And it is a novel of Queen Elizabeth and her corgi, Susan. Such a fun book to write. So... The children, um, the two princesses, uh, Queen Elizabeth and her sister Margaret, were sent north to Scotland like many of the children of the time, Mm -hmm. uh, just sent away from London because there was a lot of bombings going on and they wanted to make sure that they were safe. But eventually the children were brought back to England and sequestered at Windsor Castle. 
where they would seek shelter in sort of like the dungeon areas during the air raids. Oh, wow. Uh, which is kind of creepy for kids, that right? That is creepy. Yeah. Um, and uh, they would practice also on the property and in the castle and with the surrounding towns some first aid things with their girl guide troop. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about their girl guide troop, which is sort of like the U.S. version of Girl Scouts, is that they did these. Uh, they were part of the troop with all the other girls, like the commoner girls of the area. So yeah. it wasn't just like a royal girl guide troop. They were really out there with the other girls doing cool experiments and, um, you know, like, uh, first aid sort of things where they would like create gurneys and like drag each other through the woods and they would do camp outs and they would grill things over the fire. That's great. It sounded fun. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that they got to experience that because I know one thing that, um, was a, you know, kind of different for the girls is that when they were growing up, their father wasn't supposed to be king. So they had sort of a little bit more of a normal life before that period. Mm -hmm. And, everything kind of changed when he ended up becoming king. So I'm glad they got to do that. Yeah. In any case, they also dug for victory, which I think we talked about on another podcast, which was growing vegetable gardens in their backyard um, because rations and uh, limited food supplies. Um, but as the princesses aged, Elizabeth in particular felt a growing need to do her bit for the country. And she wanted to enlist in service and begged her father when she turned 18 to allow her to do so. The thing is, is that no one else in the royal, no female, I should say, had ever served active duty in the military. So her father was like, no way. This is crazy. (laughs) Um, But she did not give up. And her father did eventually relent and allowed her to join the Women's Auxiliary Territorial Service. So she was assigned to number one mechanical transport training center in Camberley and Surrey. Uh, which was not too far of a drive from Windsor, a little, about an hour or so, if in our standards nowadays, so maybe hour, hour and a half mm-hmm. back then, because I don't know if they drove as fast as we do now. Yeah. Um, but it was enough that it enabled her to come home every night. So most of the girls that were there would, or women, I should say, um, slept in their bunkers and things, and she would come home every well, night. That after. makes sense to, you know, for yeah. her safety, I guess. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because also she would have become a, you know, target possibly Mm -hmm. being a royal at at that base. So when she was uh, enlisted, she dropped the title of princess and was called second subaltern Elizabeth Windsor. And her registration number was 230873. So she really was like an enlisted member. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty cool that she wanted to do that first of all, and that they were willing to like treat her the way she was wanting, which was as an enlisted person versus a Royal. Yeah. She wore a uniform and saluted her commanding officers like everyone else, including major Violet Wellesley, who was her direct report. And Elizabeth was, as I mentioned, the first female Royal to be on an active duty member in the armed services, which I just find that to be, incredible it is. and also to think like 1940s was less than 100 years ago and to think that at that time she was like the only one like there was no one before that there was plenty of royal women just no one ever joined the military mm-hmm. so she trained as a mechanic with the other subalterns and learned to drive military vehicles 
But one stipulation her father had made when she joined was that she wasn't allowed to eat with the other subalterns. Instead, she had to have lunch uh, and her meals with the officers. Huh. Yeah, I guess he wanted her to have some level of respect, maybe. maybe. Or, or, yeah, but it made her feel kind of like she was getting special treatment. And so she fought against it because she didn't want her peers to think that she was being given special treatment, uh, given her position as a royal in the country. Um because she really just wanted to be there serving her country along with everyone else. Yeah, I could see that. So there was a little bit of argument. And then at one point, she was allowed to actually eat with the other ladies. <laughs> yeah, it probably took her father a little bit of adjusting. Yeah, I think so, too. So after she joined um, the military, uh, the war only lasted another few months. But Elizabeth continued her training and her final test uh, was to drive from her uh, base in Surrey to London, and she did pass the test. Um, although she did have to go around the roundabout twice uh, near Buckingham Palace, which I probably would have to go around twice or more because roundabouts are terrible. I would too. They are. <laughs> right? Some of them can be really scary too. Yes. And the one at Buckingham, like I'm sure it's not changed all that much, but it's quite large and mm -hmm. several lanes yeah. so that would be nerve-wracking there's one in dc that freaks me out every time i have to go to it <laughs> i'm like no all the ones i don't want to go that way again <laughs> yeah. can't we take some back roads um so when she uh finished completing her service she had risen to the ranks of junior commander Ooh. which is pretty cool mm -hmm. Um, and when Victory in Europe Day happened, the royal family stood on their balcony of Buckingham Palace waving to the crowd. And Elizabeth was there in her uniform because she was still an active duty member at that time. As I mentioned, she had just joined a few months before. Then. Nice. You know what? And this probably leads into some of her popularity because she was so. such a an active member of yeah. just society. I mean, not only, you know, being in her royal sense, but she right. seemed to care about the everyday person. I think so. I, I think so. And, you know, standing up there wearing her military uniform, waving, and then afterwards she snuck out into the crowd and like mingled with everyone. Oh. Like she really just wanted to be like a part of the people. And I think that was like a huge message that she sent throughout her entire reign. Even. Yeah. So that is some background on um elizabeth's service in the military that is awesome i loved it loved all that Thank background you. oh before we dive into the next stage of our show which is one of our favorites eliza is going to share three fun facts with us we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors Hello there, history books and wine lovers. This is your host, Eliza Knight here, and I can't wait for this summer because I have a brand new book coming out. As you know, one of the reasons Lori and I started this podcast was our love of wine, history, and books. And guess what? I'm not just a podcast host, I'm also an author. So I have to ask you, do you like royals? How about corgis? Releasing on June 11th is my book, The Queen's Faithful Companion, an endearing and vivid story told from the unique multi-narrative viewpoints of a young Queen Elizabeth, Hannah Fenwick, the fictionalized keeper of the Queen's Corgis, and yes, Susan, the Queen's Corgi, whose love and loyalty were boundless. 
A reigning queen, a loyal servant, and a faithful companion, this is one book you're not going to want to miss. Early readers can't get enough of the Queen's Corgis, and I admit, I'm also completely obsessed. Right now, you can pre-order The Queen's Faithful Companion anywhere books are sold, or you can visit my website, www.elizanight.com, to pre-order there. Happy reading! Hi there, History Books and Wine listeners. Thanks for tuning in to our show. I'm one of your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey. Not only am I a podcaster, but I also write sweeping historical romances that will take you back in time and whisk you away on an adventure with action, intrigue, suspense, warring clans, tested loyalties, and love conquering all. My Highland Pride series follows the Cameron clan in 17th century Highlands when Scotland was fighting for their independence and honor and family were prized above all. Highland Deception, the first novel in the five book series, won the National Reader's Choice Award and Holt Medallion for best first book and best historical. The entire Highland Pride series is available in print, ebook, or audio. For more information on how you can be swept away on my hero and heroine's journeys of growth and discovering their destinies in historic Scotland, visit my website at laurieannbailey.com. Yay, we're back from our break, and I'm ready to share my three fun facts. Yay. Are you ready? To I'm ready them? to hear them. All right. So the first fun fact is that Elizabeth loved to drive. And as I mentioned, she learned to drive while she was in her military service. And she was so thrilled when she was able to get behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. So after her service was complete, she still preferred to drive if she could on her own. And after her and Philip were married, he was briefly stationed in Malta. And she would go and stay with him for uh, some time. And when she was there, she would drive all over the place. People said that they saw her like speeding around everywhere, (laughs) just driving herself to the store, to wherever. That's great. She probably loved the freedom of that. I think she did. Yeah. So throughout the year, she could also be seen driving some of the SUV vehicles at Balmoral Castle Mm -hmm. and Sandringham and some of the other places with her dogs. Yeah. And I think there was just something about being able to drive herself and not have to count on a driver Mm -hmm. or anything like that, that also made her feel a little bit more, like you said, some freedom and some normalcy in her life. Yeah. And there's also, I mean, there are times when I just enjoy driving because you can kind of be out on your own. You can put on your own music. It's like your own little private world sometimes. So I can It's nice too to like, you can like think it's, or like kind of like meditating Mm -hmm. sometimes, I think. So a not so fun fact was that a lot of the cadets during Elizabeth's training complained anonymously to the media that they thought she was getting special treatment. And yeah, there was an article printed in the Daily Mail titled Princess Auto Mechanic that talked about how she was getting she wasn't getting her hands properly dirty. And what made it worse was that the other cadets had been sworn to secrecy about her training there Mm -hmm. since that would put her and them at danger of being a mark for air raids. So these girls were just, I think, jealous yeah. because what for whatever reason. But she was learning the whole time she was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I don't think she was trying to get special treatment. Yeah, I think the fact that she was just even there when she didn't have to be showed she cared. Exactly. I mean, she had to fight against her dad Mm -hmm. to get in the get there anyway. And the last but not least um, is that uh, Queen Elizabeth is the only female to have ever served active duty uh, uh, to have ever served as an active duty member. So I mentioned before that she was the first, but she is still the only woman royal to have served. So her daughter Anne does hold many honors and titles in the military, but they're um, honorary sort of titles and things like that. And she does have a uniform, but she never actually served. She wasn't an active duty member. It's just an honorary mm-hmm. title. Well, that's interesting. So I find that to be really interesting because I wonder if anyone, I mean, when will the next wo- Royal woman serve? I don't know. I don't mm. know either. It's very interesting. It is very interesting. Thanks for sharing those fun facts. Those were great. I really enjoyed looking them up. Um, and they are a part of the book, which is also why I knew so much about it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, uh, I guess I'll add one more fun fact. Okay. And that is that one of the reasons that she was also happy to go home every night um, at the end of her day was because she had just gotten that new puppy from her dad. Aww. And so she wanted to go home and play with her puppy and and be with her dog. I get that. <laughs> and I can't wait to read about it in your book. Oh, thank you. Yes. So um, next up, Eliza, we always talk about what we're reading. So what have you been reading? So I am currently listening to on audio because I love audiobooks. It's called Starling House by Alex Harrow. And it's a gothic fantasy novel. It's modern day. Um, It is really, really intriguing. I'm only about halfway through, so I can't say for sure what's going on plus I don't want to give any spoilers away but I do really like it and it is very intriguing and it's kind of about like a house that is alive Mm -hmm. but not alive and it might have like a little bit of a vindictive side to it so there's like some mystery going on it's a little dark um and I don't know I'm just really really enjoying it Hmm. I'm wondering. Highly recommend. Oh, good. I'm. I wonder. I'm going to look something up real quick while we're on here. Okay. And you can keep this in or delete it. But did Alex write the uh, Ten Thousand Doors of January? Ooh, I don't know. Yes. So the Ten Thousand Doors of January. I read that from Alex Harrow. Harrow okay. and really enjoyed it. It was it was different and also had you know some like supernatural mystic aspects to it. Oh, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to add that one to my list because I do really enjoy her writing style a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my first book by her, and um, it's really good. All right. Well, I may so have to check that one out more too. To my TBR. I know. <laughs> Well, speaking of our TBR, Eliza, can you recommend to our listeners a book that you wrote today, other than the one that you've got coming out next year about the queen and her faithful companion? What what other book of yours would you recommend? Sure. So um, if you're not interested in reading The Queen's Faithful Companion, or if you've already pre-ordered it, then I would also suggest um, my book about uh, Adele Astaire Mm -hmm. and um, her brother, Fred Astaire, uh, the famous dancer. Um, That was a really fun uh, book to um, write because it explored a lot of the different, like, 
um, inside world of a, of a dancer, of a theater person, and also just sibling relationships and mother-daughter relationships. And I really, really had fun writing that one too. And that was an amazing book. And it Thank just got picked for a editor's choice. Oh, yeah. The, it got an Editor's Choice uh, review in the Historical Novel Society magazine. So that was really awesome news that I found out today, Yay. actually. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you for listening to all of my facts today about Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, yeah. in uh, her military service. Oh, they were lots of fun. I appreciate you sharing them. Anytime. We hope you listeners have enjoyed today's happy hour chat. And coming up, we have guests E. Elizabeth Watson and Amy Runyon. Along with our fun happy hour chats, including more of Queen Elizabeth. Um, only, only next up, it will be her romance with Prince Philip. So we're in for a treat there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that one, too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at History BKS Wine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. That way you're notified every time a new episode is live. Subscribes and reviews help us get noticed. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers and happy reading. <laughs>